Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody today. Welcome into church. Glad to have you with us. And we get to begin our services today with not one or two, but three baptisms. Amen. Amen. Give God glory. And all three of these baptisms are from our children's ministry. And so we thank God for what he's doing in our children's ministry here. Even now, as we're about to baptize three children, we have volunteers serving in child care, teaching God's word to our kids, and raising up a generation that fears and honors God. Amen. And so we're grateful for our leaders and volunteers. Many of you lead and volunteer that ministry, and so we are seeing the fruit of it today. With that being said, I'm going to welcome Ella Abernathy down. Come on, Ella. Ella, I'm proud of you, and the church is proud of you. Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Amen. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Also, I have forgotten to roll up my sleeves, so. I'll tell you what. I'm all right with preaching with wet sleeves. It's a reminder. Amen. All right. <laughs> there we go. I, Ella, I was already halfway, and I was like, let's just go for it, right? All right, next is Logan Hayes. Come on down, Logan. Come on down, Logan. Amen. You sit right there, buddy. Come on, come on this other side. There you go. Now turn right around. You the man. Good job. Good job. All right, look out there at all those folks. Amen. They're waving at you. There you go. All right. Logan, super proud of you, man. Have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. All right. Last but not least is Jack Basser. Come on down, Jack. There they are, man. Everybody waiting for you. There you go. Good deal. Jack, have you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved? Amen. Based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my brother in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. You got it. Awesome. Amen. Uh, with that being said, again, I want to uh, ask that you continue to pray over our children's ministry. There's three families together up here, and I know they're watching here that are super grateful for what the Lord's doing in our church. And uh, now to lead us into a time of prayer over our offering and a time of prayer over our service, we'll turn it to our executive pastor, Brother Bradley. It's good to be here this morning. Good to be in the Lord's house. And I'm, I just want to say a word of thank you to all of you that served in our Hope for Athens yesterday, too. God's just continued to move through Lindsay Lane. And we had, I think, 115 at last count that I heard just from our church that were there at Swan Creek Park yesterday. There were a number of people who prayed to receive Christ. And so we're just excited about what God's doing. And so as we come together to worship this morning, we begin with baptisms. Man, God just continues to bless. And we want to be faithful in every area. So I would invite you, uh, if you've come prepared to give this morning, uh, I want to pray over our time of giving. Our offering containers are out in the foyers, and so 
We just encourage you to give as God would lead you to give and continue to support the work uh, that he's called us to do here at Lindsay Lane. So I want to pray over our offering this morning and just ask God's blessings on the rest of our time of worship this morning as Stacy comes to lead with our praise team uh, this morning. Brother Dwayne's son got married in Georgia yesterday, and they're on their way back. So uh, we're just going to have a great time of worship. And I want to pray, just ask God's blessings over our time of giving as we worship the Lord uh, through our giving. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the privilege and joy of coming into your house to worship. Father, we rejoice as we watch these three children uh, who've expressed their faith and their trust in you and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. As we've seen them follow you in believer's baptism this morning, God, we give you praise and glory and honor. And we thank you, Lord, that we're able to witness that this morning. Father, as we continue our worship through giving this morning and throughout this week, we just pray, God, that you would bless, that you would multiply our offerings, our tithes, Lord, that they would be used to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We pray for our remaining time of worship today as our praise team comes to lead us in our choir and our orchestra. God, may we express our worship to you through singing. Let the joy in our hearts overflow as we worship you. And then, Father, we pray for our pastor as he comes to stand before us this morning. God, anoint him in the power of your Holy Spirit so that the word and the message that you have for us, Lord, can be relayed through him. And, Father, may we take your word and write it on our hearts and continue to live for you each and every day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
celebrate what he's done in our life and just give him glory for that. So let's sing out this morning. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came a word from a throne of Endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Sing praise the Father.
Why do we praise him? Because he's all to us. Can you claim that today? Can you say confidently, Jesus, you are all to us. When he's all to us, we can lay it all down. We can give it away. We don't have to sit and worry and fret. Let's proclaim it and confidently say, Jesus, you are all to us.
Lord, as we make our way to the message, and as we've just sang the words that you are all to us, if that is the case, may we be reminded that we don't get to subtract you from anything, whether private or public. As we have sang the song with our heart and our mouth, Lord, you are everything you have given us life we exist because of you our hope of heaven is because of you Lord we freely admit today we need you on behalf of many that are gathered we admit up front we need what you've got Lord would you please give us strength today and please give us truth and we thank you, O oh Lord, for sending your Son to make a way for us to have heaven, to have life eternal, but to have guardrails in our life that keep us from ourselves. Lord, I thank you for the ministry of your church that has already spoken to us today. Lord, I thank you for this worship team, this team of people that have given their time to lead us to do something that you value, to worship you for your glory. Thank you, Lord, for the ministries of the church that share the gospel for families that are faithful to teach the truth as we have seen baptism today Lord we've literally seen a picture today of death to life God would you continue to use us for your glory and teach us now we pray in Jesus name Amen Amen this week on Thursday is Veterans Day a day of special acknowledgement to those men and women who have served in the armed forces for our great country. And I would encourage all of us this week to thank a veteran for their service, but also intentionally honor them, maybe even ask them their story. I'd also like to take this time to acknowledge that many of our veterans honor those who have fallen before accepting honor themselves. So with that, let's stop and pray specifically for the comfort of those military friends and family who have lost loved ones for the cause of freedom. Would you bow with me? Lord, there are those that have given their lives for a greater cause. If, if there is anyone that should appreciate and understand sacrifice, it should be the Christian. So God, we give you praise and thanksgiving today for those who have fought and even died for the freedoms that we enjoy this very morning. And God, we pray that you would comfort those who are still in grief over the loss of one who has lived their life for a bigger picture. We thank you again for their service, and we pray comfort in their grieving. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd also like to acknowledge our veterans that are with us today before we make our way to the Word. I want you to know that, veterans, while we don't always know the exact way that we should express our appreciation we want to pay our respect. We want you to know that we uh, appreciate you for protecting seriously the freedom that we enjoy at this very moment has been bought and paid for by people like you that have given their life to serve our country. So I would call on your branch. And as I call on your branch, if you are a veteran of that branch, would you please stand? And then at the end, when all have stood that are veterans in our congregation, I'm going to ask the rest of the church to show our appreciation together with one grand applause. Amen. So let's begin with members of the Army, veterans from the Army. 
the Air Force, the Navy, the Marines, and the Coast Guard. I had someone tell me before the service, you ought to bring them up on stage. We couldn't get them all on stage. Amen? Church, would you welcome these veterans and thank them for all they've done? Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Veterans, thank you so much for uh, honoring us with your presence, for how you served our country and church. Thank you for the appropriate response, for it is appropriate. Amen. If you would take your Bibles and turn them to the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark. This week begins a new sermon series. This, this week is actually a new sermon series that is being pro, uh, preached all across our campuses at Lindsay Lane, at Lindsay Lane North, and Lindsay Lane East. And we will begin this year to work our way through the book of Mark. As those who are preaching in the pulpits that are Lindsay Lane pulpits, we have uh, desired to, to preach through a book of the Bible together. So while we won't do this until we're finished, we'll, we'll stop at the end of November and we'll pick it back up as we preach the major themes of the book of Mark. And today is the ministry to the multitudes. The ministry to the multitude. So I would encourage each of us as we are reading through Mark this month that, that you personally would begin to read through the book of Mark and notice how Jesus ministers to the multitude in the coming days along with us as we preach through it. But the gospel of Mark presents Jesus, our Lord and Savior, not as a philosopher, but as an action figure. And I don't say that and obviously don't mean to make light uh, or, a, or communicate a make-believe hero, but we, we say that meaning that Jesus in the book of Mark is presented as one who is on the move. He is working to teach and heal and cast out demons, serving all the way to sacrifice. In the book of Mark, everything happens immediately as Jesus is on the go. Jesus' ministry to the multitude found in Mark actually begins with John the Baptist. If, if Jesus was the headliner, then John the Baptist was the opener. And God used John the Baptist as a herald. He would preach and teach God's values and what God felt important. He stirred the minds of many that came to hear him preach. There were those from the countryside of Judea and the streets of Jerusalem that would go out to hear John the Baptist preach that there was a hope, a way that God had made towards him to be right with God. And he preached to crowds of people. And he preached the message that we preach now, which is turn from sin and turn to God to be forgiven. And John the Baptist would baptize those who would confess their sins as they were believing forward to the coming Messiah that he was telling about. This Jesus who would come soon after that to accomplish the work of forgiveness, making a way for people like me and you to be forgiven of the worst of our sins and the smallest of our sins so that we might be right before God. And John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. So when Jesus arrived, crowds were already forming around the message and the fulfillment of that message. The opening act of John started to conclude and the prominent act of Jesus began and crowds formed around the Son of God as he began to work in the world. I want you to picture with me 
what it must have been like to be part of that crowd that an orator is telling the multitudes that someone is coming who's greater than me. Someone is coming to fulfill all the promises of God. And can you picture as being in that crowd what it's like to wonder what he's like and is there really truth and can we really experience life after death and which way is the way to God? And then Jesus comes onto the scene and he begins to teach unlike anybody else that's ever been. He speaks with authority, but even more than him speaking, he begins to literally validate his claims that he has the truth of God and that he is the way to God by healing people before their very eyes, healing people of all kinds of diseases by taking them into the hand of his hand and saying, you're good, go home. And they stand up changed, going from pain to purpose as they walk out knowing the living God. Even past that, he validates his claims as Jesus, without fear, not only touching the physical world, but touching the spiritual world, as Jesus would call out and cast out evil spirits. The crowds would would see those who had experienced a literal transformation. Possessed people were transformed to sane people at the command of his voice when Jesus came on the scene before the multitudes. All of this before the crowds. As God was carrying out his purpose of revelation and invitation. Listen to this. Jesus came to reveal God to man and to invite man to God. Maybe you've heard that for the first time today. or Maybe you heard it for a long time here at Fresh and Anew. Jesus came to reveal God to man and to invite man to God. Mark chapter 3 verses 20 through 29. I want to read verses 20 and 22. As we begin, the scripture says one time Jesus entered a house and the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. But the teachers of religious law who'd arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. The crowds had heard and seen, and they were once again gathering. The demand upon Jesus is so much that he can't even grab a Lunchable at noontime. Like everybody is crowding in, he and around his followers, completely occupying his time. Some of them were there to see the show. Some of them were there because they were in need and needed to experience the power to to feel what was happening. But then you had those that were were questioning already what was happening. Family members who may have been well-meaning, but they were trying to usher him away, saying like, Hey guys, let's get him out of here. I I think he's a little bit crazy. Let's just make his way. Well-meaning maybe, but they were wrong. And then the religious leaders are now on the scene with their authority, and they begin to investigate In short, everyone is trying to understand what in the world is going on when Jesus shows up. So the teachers of religious law, they step up and they say, Oh, we'll tell y'all what's going on here. We're so smart, listen to us, we have it all figured out. Always beware of people that tell you they got it all figured out. So they step up with all their intelligence and their discipline And they say, what we've got here is not a case of God's power, but a case of Satan's. (gasps) And a gasp. 
As they stand before the crowds and say, he's possessed. He's casting out demons because it's not God's power, it's Satan's. Ah. And everybody is listening and trying to figure out, hey, he's possessed. This guy is casting out demons because he's over them. Now, why in the world would a smart religious leader be upset that one is transformed from possessed by a demon to rational thinking? Why in the world would a religious leader be upset that one who was in pain is now perfectly healthy? Let me give you a side note. This is the threat that power and pride presents to us. Power and pride in our life of any kind, it will make you so selfish, you won't even entertain the thought of anything being godly. Because it will remove you from your position of authority if they're wrong. That's what's happening here. As they are making claims that he's not from God, he's from Satan. And I hope that works out because if it ain't, we got a whole lot of development to do on our part. So the teachers of religious law, they give their two cents. And then Jesus steps up and responds in verse 23. Jesus called them over and responded with an illustration. Jesus speaks in parables and illustrations so we can understand. Amen? And this is what he said. How can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided by civil war will collapse. Similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further, Jesus says. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and then plunder his house. I tell you the truth. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. Lord, may the only motive of my heart be to communicate your truth. And God, may we be here to listen to it. In Jesus' name, amen. He responds in this parable, this illustration. And the first illustration he gives is a divided family, a, a family feud, a divided kingdom. Basically saying this, if I was possessed by the prince of demons, why would I cast out a demon? If, if I'm under Satan, why am I kicking one of ours out and inserting myself in? That would be a waste of time. That would be counterproductive, would it not? Secondly, Jesus says, if I'm a demon too, how could I cast out another demon? If I'm the same as him, then how can I cast this one out if I'm just exactly the same? You see, these experts of religious law, and I'm for education, and I'm for knowledge, and I think Proverbs is too, but let's not become so smart that we miss the simple things of God. As they have already gotten into their expert religious law to pronounce that evil is casting out evil. And what they were missing is that good was casting out evil. God was on the scene doing things that only God could do. Now before the multitudes, there are two characteristics that Jesus introduces for those who are waiting and wandering. From some of you today may be here because that's exactly where you are. You are wondering what is right. You are wondering what is true. You are wandering back and forth between what you've been taught. And now you're here and, and you are, are waiting on, on something to turn the corner for you. And this is what Jesus presents in his revelation of God to the multitudes. Number one is strength. Only someone 
even stronger, Jesus says. What we have looked at in these few verses is Jesus addressing the enemy. He is, he is speaking about Satan. Satan is not a Halloween make-believe figure, y'all. Satan is both mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They refer to his existence, to his reality, and to him being the enemy. Every New Testament writer and 19 of the books refer to him. Jesus himself referred to Satan 25 times. So you may be one of those that come in today and have your own thing figured out that Satan doesn't really exist. There's just evil in the world. You'd be going against the power and authority of the word of God. In the scripture, Satan, and not just in the scripture, but in the world, Satan is tempting, accusing, deceiving, opposing, destroying, and exhibiting influence over this world. So ladies and gentlemen, do not take him lightly. He is a formidable opponent. Yesterday, we spoke to many who were deceived, deceived to think that their own good works would sneak them into heaven. Yesterday at Hope for Athens, we talked to those who believed that their sin was too much for God to overcome by His grace. We, we spoke to those that were struggling to get out of their own way because they obeyed every feeling they've ever had and took it as the truth. And now their family is experiencing the consequence of that. We spoke to these that have been deceived. All of those examples that I just gave you, this is the work of the opposition to God. That is Satan's work in the world, his influence, his deception, him making you feel like you're worthless, like there's no way out. That's not coming from God. That's coming from the enemy, an enemy that God has mentioned in his word Jesus has referred to. You see, you would think that the religious leaders would be okay with healings. You would think that the religious leaders would, would see possessed people being free and that would be, be good but that is some kind of deception to seeing people be sane and healed and see that as evil. You ever thought about that? How in the world were they deceived so badly to miss all that? Well, that is the work of the opposition. That is the work of Satan. Y'all listen. Since God did all the work to save our souls... And all of us that claim salvation in Jesus and only Jesus, you think we'd be more okay with God telling us how to live past that? You know what I discovered yesterday? It's the same thing I discovered in the church. We want to skip off knowing that Jesus paid the price for our sins, believing in him, but we'll take it from there. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. That's deception. It's deception to make you think that Jesus is the way, but you can live your life the rest of the way you want to. You're being deceived. Don't be deceived. Satan is a, a formidable opponent. He is working in the world to deceive you into thinking that you're not good enough, that you can take it from here, that you're smarter than God, that your feelings mean that it's true, that is deception, the work of the enemy. And when you think about him being an opponent, how in the world... Could we get over that? Well, he is a formidable opponent, but he does not have unrestricted freedom in this world. He is subordinate to and restricted by Almighty God. You see, that's what we're dealing with here. Therefore, we are under no obligation 
to live in fear. We are under no obligation to live in bondage to something that our family has passed down. We're under no obligation to be subject to temptation and opposition and dark influence all the time. If you are right in the middle of a spiritual battle and you are wondering and doubting what is right, if you are feeling the pressure of temptation every single day, if you are experiencing the weight of guilt, if you are struggling through division, if you are feeling the drab of despair, don't wallow in the weight of your world. Let the Lord lift that weight for you. Let God have it. And a lot of times it has to do with who we're seeking the most. When we are seeking our feelings, we are seeking that person that is deceived by the enemy. When we are seeking God, God will tell us the truth. Even about how we feel. And then we line up with the Lord. Let the Lord decide how you feel. Let the Lord decide how you should think. Let the Lord decide how you should decide. Let the Lord pronounce his work, his finished work of salvation over you. And when you feel the guilt and shame of all that sin that came before and Satan would bring up, you'll never be able to serve in ministry because I know what you've done. God has too, and he's forgiven you. He has set us free, not just from the penalty of sin, but the power of sin. So live forgiven and move forward, seeking God first. Seek Him above the feelings and circumstances that Satan loves to work in so much. Jesus told these religious guys, only someone stronger could tie up a strong man and take what he's got. You, you are saying that I am working for Satan. But what I have done is I have taken him, tied him down, and stolen what he's got. In other words, Jesus is saying, in order to beat the man, you got to be the man, and the man is me. And all these little demons you've got running around see me, and they start running and crying. You see, this is the power of God that we have inside of us. The resurrection power that is inside the life of every Christian. Listen. When we begin to fear God instead of fearing everything else, that's when our life will begin to change. When we begin to understand that God is in us and His power of the Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead is in us, you can overcome temptation with the realization of truth in your life. Jesus told these guys, you are recognizing power, but you are selling it short of God. Jesus is stronger than Satan. Light is stronger than darkness. This is why if we really believe we want to change the culture, stop bickering back and forth and stop seeking the Lord. Start seeking the Lord and start witnessing to others and telling them the way out. Otherwise, we're just bickering about what's going on with no solution. Light extinguishes the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never extinguish it, says in John 1, 5. Sometimes we don't need to just remember who's on our side, but who's inside of us. The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world, is what the Bible says. So he offers to the crowd a stronger version than anything they've ever seen. And then, truth. Verse 28. After tearing their argument to shreds, Jesus said, I'll tell you the truth, all sin 
and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. Now, in church circles, a lot of the time, people want to ask the question of what is the unpardonable sin? What is the sin that is unforgivable? I want you to see what Jesus said first. Jesus said, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Y'all didn't hear that. All sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Before you look at the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, look at this. All means exactly what you think it means. All. A hundred percent of everything that you said, done, thought, wrong motives, wrong actions, wrong deeds, the things that have already been brought to the light, the things that are in secret, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. All of it. Now, what do we want to do with that, y'all? Do we want to debate what sin is and what it's not? Lord have mercy. I don't understand why we would try to debate what God has called out as sin is okay. Rationalize the way that we feel, saying, I know what the Bible says, but God has said to us that all sin can be forgiven. We really want to stand before him and go, well, I don't think that's sin, God. Are you kidding me? Take it. Take it. If God has said all sin can be forgiven, even blasphemy of his son, even blasphemy of the father. The apostle Paul was having people who followed the son killed, forgiven, clean slate, working for the Lord, man of God. All, all sin and blasphemy, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. If God forgives, then we must acknowledge and accept because regardless about how you feel about one sin or another, all sin separates. You may think to yourself that what you've got going on in your life is permissible before God, but you got something else that ain't, I promise. Everything from an attitude to a big action, all sin separates. And that is why the grace of God is so that it covers it all. His blood was shed for the little white lie and the big lie that impacted thousands. So instead of debating what is and what ain't, how about we just humble ourselves before the Lord and take it and live according to his word? People, if blasphemy of Jesus, to vilify and speak evil of Jesus can be forgiven, forgiveness for you can be get. Amen? You can have it. How does this work of blasphemy of Jesus then, as we see it in the scripture, how is it that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is something that is unpardonable? Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a sin that is never acknowledged or confessed. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to reject God's way of forgiveness and to claim before God that what you got going on that he would say is sin is okay. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, this is why it's eternally damning. The Pharisees may have acknowledged other sins, but they were rejecting the truth before them by attributing it to Satan. Don't misunderstand. This does not mean that your salvation is in jeopardy if you have sin that you've not confessed and you didn't get to it before the shark attack. 
That's I'm trying to make it a little humorous. <laughs> Obviously, you are super serious about shark attacks. I didn't know that. No, it's a renouncing of the revealed truth. It's a renouncing of the revealed truth that you are a sinner and that Jesus is Savior and Lord. You have rejected that. It's to reject the truth that God is making plain. Think of the role of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is working in the world to convict us of our sin and to convict us of the righteousness of God and that we need God. The Holy Spirit of God convicts us of sin and then to reject or speak evil of the Spirit is to reject the power of God drawing us to repentance. This is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In short, it is a heart attitude of unbelief and unrepentance. So I'm going to warn some of y'all just like Jesus warned the Pharisees. Because some people here are not here because they want to be. You're here because somebody told you to be. And I'm telling you that if God's Spirit is convicting you of sin in your heart and mind of what is wrong and you reject that, it will be unforgivable because you'll take that to the grave. Now, you may have done so at one time in your life, rejected the truth of God. You may have done so, you may have doubted and not believed, and you may have not acknowledged your sin at one time in your life, but if you are still breathing, then there's an opportunity to confess sin and to believe in and follow Jesus. Right now, right now, you ain't got to wait for the invitation. You can bow your head right now and call upon the name of the Lord, admit that you are wrong, confess that you are a sinner, and believe that Jesus is the way to eternal life. Right now, you're still breathing, still up. Just as Jesus warned the religious to belittle the Holy Spirit unto death is to reject God and his way. Y'all, I'm just dumb enough to believe I'm not smarter than God. I'm totally fine with acknowledging that I'm a sinner. In all kinds of ways. I get to the conclusion I need God and his forgiveness real quick. And I hope and pray you do the same. Because the consequences to the other side are eternal. Y'all, that means there's no reversal. That is the truth. I, I promise you, I don't sit in my office going, I wonder what's going to get them this week. You think these are the scriptures that I want to bring out, eternal condemnation? But it is the scriptures I want to make sure you know. I want to make sure you hear it. Thank God for his revealed truth. Thank God that there's no guesswork as it relates to living and dying. Jesus tells the truth. Don't you appreciate truth tellers? People that tell you the truth. Some people like to talk for a length of time that can be socially wearisome. <laughs> I'm not mentioning anybody specific. If you think it's you, then the Holy Spirit may be convicting you. I don't know. <laughs> but some people like to talk for a length of time that is past the point of social awkwardness. And once I was, I was picking up my children from the elementary school they were at a few years ago. My daughter was in kindergarten at this time. They were both in elementary school. A friend and an acquaintance stopped me uh, as I was buckling our children in, getting them into the car at the end of a long day. Daddy, I'm tired, I'm hungry. Daddy, all the other stuff. And she stopped me and she began to talk. And 10 minutes later, 
I was still trying to be considerate that this is a person who may need a listening ear. Still trying to listen as though she needed someone to talk to. But I could also tell that our kids were getting restless. Y'all know what I mean? In fact, I could also tell that hers were. I looked over to her car and her... No joke. Her child is like beating on the window. Like, let's go. Well, that 10 minutes turned into 20 minutes. And at the 20-minute mark, it happened. My daughter from the back seat told the truth. And she said, Oh, lady, why do you keep talking? (laughs) Hey, if I'm lying, I'm dying, that happened. 100%. And I was mortified. (laughs) But I was also thankful. There it is. I was also thankful. Why? Because she told the truth. It was time to go. Put it in an email. I mean, we're thankful for the truth. Amen? We're, We're thankful for truth tellers. Today we've this does not speak to my work as a counselor, does it? But I, I know there are times when it's super serious and there's times when it's not, right? And she told the truth. Today we've, we've considered the activity of Satan in the world. Seriously, we've considered the activity of Satan in the world and the revealed truth of God to the masses by way of Jesus and the truth of God's Word. Listen, Bible study time. God reveals Himself generally through creation. And through history and his work in the world. He reveals himself specifically to us so that we know what he's like and what he values through the person of Jesus and the word of God. So God sent his son to reveal the heart of the father. To tell the world what he is like and to invite those who would hear to be right with him. When you begin to think of Satan's work in the world... When you begin to even entertain the thought of Satan, period, without God, that's when fear begins to creep in. That's when fear begins to to cause doubt and, and nervousness and weakness, doom even. You begin to think of evil in the world. You begin to think that the worst that could happen. But that's when Jesus and the Bible tell the truth. That's when Jesus and the Bible tell the truth that there is a stronger man who will bust up in his house and tie him down and take what he's got. Jesus is stronger and tells the truth. He came to reveal God to man and to invite man to God. And carrying on that idea of fear. Y'all, I'm serious. When our fear changes, our life changes. Write that down. When our fear changes, our life changes. When we begin to fear God more than we fear others, when we begin to fear God more than we fear not fulfilling our feelings, when we, fulfill, when we begin to fear God more than we fear our loved ones and relatives and what they'll think, when we begin to fear God over how we feel and see the world, that's when life gets different for me and you. And we carry on that idea of fear. I want you to listen to what is weirdly becoming one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Jesus says, don't be afraid. This is Matthew 10, 28. 
Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, you're probably thinking, that's really weird that that's becoming one of your favorite verses. Why is that? Because instead of God making a way for us to experience eternal darkness within his power, he's used his power to make a way for us to experience eternal life. Hear me? He is all-powerful, total authority to do anything he wants to do, and he gave of himself and laid down the life of his son so that we would miss hell and make heaven. That's the truth. If Satan opposes the activity of God in our lives with deception and guilt and doubt, you'll need to know right from wrong. Y'all, we, we need to know real from fake. So that, that Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Notice in the scripture as you read it when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. And when he says, you have heard, but he also says, but I say. You see, right now, we're, we are, our, our minds are so filled with information from every angle, every slant, every screen. And everything, every day is, I have heard. And Jesus says, but I say. You have got to, and I have got to filter everything through the truth of God's word. I can tell the influence of the world on my children as we discuss things, giving me the opportunity to right the wrong. But I can only do that if I know what this Bible says. I can only do that. We can only teach truth if we know truth. Because when truth stops being told, lies start being lived. Yesterday I spoke with a man at Hope for Athens who had, he had, listen to this y'all, he had a, a connection with the church. It was a once in a while connection, but he had a once in a while connection with the church. We were going to give him a Bible, he had multiple Bibles in his home. Christians around him, he talked about those that were going to church, those that were good and godly. And so when I asked him, if you die tonight, why God should let you into heaven, he responded that he simply tries to do his best and be the best person he can be. He lives with a Christian culture around him, and lies are being lived because the truth stopped being told. Y'all, I don't care how many Bibles you've got in the back of your car at home. If you don't open it, then what good is that? Open it! Read it! Read through the book of Mark this month. Get yourself in a group so that you can study it together and learn from one another. Be here every time the gathering's gathering so that we can hear the word of God taught for what is true. Because when the truth starts being told, lies start being lived. It's easier to think salvation is based on our good against our bad. But y'all, it's dead wrong. It's amazing how many times I've heard that and you see that in the scripture to think good works would outweigh the bad and that's what's going to get you in. How in the world does that work? Because if everybody says that, then what's the standard for everybody? Who came up with that? Who comes up with the standard? Who's the judge? God has told the truth about all this. I'm telling you, it's better for us all to just acknowledge we're sinners so that we can go on. Read the Bible. Get in a group. Families, start valuing the word of God above what you've worked out as permissible culture. 
Hear me, hear me say that one more time. Start valuing the word of God over and above what you've worked out in your mind is allowable by God. And what's allowable in our culture is a family living in the United States. United States cultures does not equal Christian culture. Read the Bible. Let's read the truth together as we close. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 36. This is it. The end. Mark 8, 34 through 36. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples. Now, did you notice that? The gospel is the most inclusive thing in the world. You just have to be saved on the terms of God. Calling to the crowd to join his disciples. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? The part of you that is conscious to God, is it worth you keeping your youth and losing your soul? Is it worth you entertaining your feelings and losing your soul? What's worth more than a soul, Jesus says? The remedy, give up on yourself. <laughs> Biblically, give up your way and commit your way to Christ. He spoke these words to the crowds, to the masses, those that were on the outside wondering, looking in. The teaching and the healing and the casting out, all that was leading to the invitation to faith. An invitation to following away from themselves and towards the lead of God. Listen briefly. Give up to gain or hang on to lose. If you hang on to your life as your own and you do what you want to, you're going to lose it. But if you give it up for the Lord and commit your ways to Him, you will find it. You'll find true life. Every time you pray, it won't be, God, I'm sorry. Because you've given it up. Jesus came to reveal God to man and invite man to God. And all I'm doing is just extending that invitation further. If you would stand to your feet. As our worship team comes to lead us in a time of invitation, we have guys that stand down right here. And if any of you think to yourself, I know today I need to respond, I'm going to give you two ways to do that. One is to boldly step out and walk this aisle and to tell us when you get here, I need to be saved. I need to join the church. I need to be baptized. Two is to catch us on the way out as you walk out those double doors. Find a, a pastor and say the same thing. I need to be saved. I, I need to join the church. I need to be baptized. And on salvation right now, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, you can call on the Lord right where you are. Call on God to save you. You don't have to know it all. In childlike faith, admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the way to God and confess that he is your Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Lord, thank you for the truth. Thank you for telling us the truth. It takes the guesswork out of living and dying. And Lord, may we line up with your truth every day. 
God, where we are now is not where we have to end up. Lord, if we've started over a hundred times, may we submit and surrender to you today. I thank you, O oh God, for your grace. I thank you for your power that you have used to make a way for us to miss hell. Lord, I thank you that you are stronger, and may that be realized in my life, in the life of our church. Lord, that we would be dedicated to your truth. And we thank you, O oh God, for what you're doing in our heart right now, and pray that we would just simply and seriously respond as you lead. Lord, I ask, O oh God, in the name of Jesus, that you would give us boldness to respond, that we would not be worried about anybody that's around us, but that we would fear you more than we fear criticism. We would fear you more than we feel looks and ridicule. And we would fear you more than we fear our own feelings. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This altar is open for you. to be
speak to this just one more time in just a moment. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. Somebody told me lately they, they were trying to tell me about their past. And before they did, they basically started out with this. Like, I, I didn't want to tell you this, and, and um, I don't know how to begin. And the whole time I'm thinking, it don't matter. I've heard it, so you can tell me. And that's exactly what happened. For you to think that the, the church can never hear you out, can never help you move forward, don't believe that lie. Do not believe that lie that, that nobody's ever been through it or that we don't want to help you through it or that God can't overcome it. Don't believe that, that lie. Don't believe that. As we sing now, I would just put that truth to you before, before you as we sing this final stanza and also invite you one more time. Listen, you don't have to walk this aisle. You can catch us afterwards or you can bow right where you are and call on the Lord right now. Amen. Let's sing through. I come broken to be Amen. If you be seated just for a moment, if you weren't able to serve at the house uh, or the Hope for Athens yesterday, we'd ask that you consider some of the missions opportunities we have coming up. And one of those at Christmas, we're going to show to you right now before our announcements. This year, we have the opportunity as a church to make a difference in the life of a child. Christmas for Kids is a way that we can all love on a child globally and locally. From now until Wednesday, November the 17th, Christmas for Kids will be globally. You will be able to pack a shoebox for a child in Haiti. This box filled with necessities as well as fun items is the best gift that these kids will physically receive throughout the year. Our family has had the privilege to deliver shoeboxes to kids in Haiti, and we have witnessed the excitement that comes when they receive the box, open it, and see items that they can enjoy. Consider packing necessities, shampoo, soap, toothbrush and washcloth, but also consider including a blow-up ball, a stainless steel fork, and a spoon. These are big deals for kids in Haiti. The ideas are endless, but you cannot include any food or candy. 
Shoeboxes are not only a blessing to the kids, but also to their families. These boxes allow the gospel to be shared. And when you pack a shoebox, you are making a difference. You can stop in the gathering space and pick up a pamphlet that will give you details and ideas for packing the box, as well as a label. But don't forget to include $8 for shipping. If $8 is not included, the box will not be shipped. Beginning Wednesday, November the 17th, after our shoeboxes are collected, Christmas for Kids will be locally. You will be able to purchase a gift for a child in need. These gifts will go to kids that we have been made aware of within our own community. You'll be able to fulfill their biggest wishes and help meet their family's needs by providing a special Christmas for their child. But it doesn't stop at just buying gifts. On Friday, December the 10th, you can be a part of our special Christmas house. As the parents come to pick up these gifts, we will sit down and share the gospel with them and enjoy Christmas cookies with their kids. Everyone will be able to help from providing cookies, greeting our families, and interacting with the kids. Details about this special night will be shared soon, but mark your calendars for Friday, December the 10th. You will not want to miss out. On Wednesday, November the 17th, we will have a list of gifts that can be purchased. We encourage you to stop at our table in the gathering space on Wednesday, November the 17th, Sunday, November the 21st, and Sunday, November the 28th to join us in this local effort. Christmas for Kids is going to be big as we work together to pack shoeboxes and reach kids globally and purchase and wrap gifts to reach kids locally. The lives of these kids and their families will be touched with the love of Christ. We want everyone to get involved, so please consider helping us in one of these efforts. And if you're able, we'd love for you to join us in both. Thank you for making Christmas at Lindsay Lane extra special this year as we reach out globally and locally with Christmas for Kids. Thank you, Stacy. Christmas for Kids is going to be a great uh, ministry opportunity uh, for our church family here. We've got a couple more things. i got a text message right before I hit the uh, stage from Miss Noel King that says you're on limited time, so i got to hurry up. Um, <clears throat> number one, if you have those Connect cards, you filled that Connect card out or uh, have a prayer request for us, don't forget to tear that off the bottom of your bulletin there and drop it off on any of our gray kiosks as you exit our facilities today. Uh, the Lindsay Lane 101 class, that is our new members class, is today right after the service. I think it's over in the Foundation Center today, so if you had pre-signed up for that, don't forget about that. Uh, move out nights start this Wednesday. This Wednesday, we will be going out uh, to homes in our community that are new families who have just moved in and just welcoming uh, them and uh, leaving some stuff there for them. And then next Wednesday night, we have a uh, Thanksgiving meal. We're going to attempt to feed our community Thanksgiving dinner at the Days Inn Banquet Hall. You should have gotten a sign-up, Jeannie, sign-up uh, through your Connect groups. But if you want to be a part of that, just email us here at the church office and uh, we can get you signed up. And lastly, uh, we tried this last week and I messed it up, so we're going to try it again. Uh, I think we've got some pictures of some of our team gear. Uh, that store uh, closes tonight at midnight, and so you need to get those orders in today. Here's just a few of those items that is on that store. We've got some hoodies some long sleeve tees. They're in multiple colors, multiple colors for the logos and t-shirts as well. And so pull out your phones one more time. We're going to try this again. Pull out your phone. Do it right now. Open your camera and then you just hold your camera up to that QR code. You may have to zoom it in, zoom it out a little bit so it will focus. And then a link will pop up there. 
You just click that link, and it'll take you directly to the store. Again, that store closes tonight at midnight, and then you should receive your items in about two to three weeks. So uh, you can get your Lindsay Lane team gear. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. We'll just leave that code up there. So maybe you want to do that after the service. You're welcome to do so. But we're going to pray. And you will be sent. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again for a great day in your house, Lord. We thank you for the great things that are going on here in your ministry at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. And just pray that you continue to use the people here to accomplish your mission, Father. We thank you for our groups this morning. We thank you for moving the baptismal waters once again. We thank you for the lives uh, that were changed uh, uh, as we've seen through baptism today. Thank you for their families. And, Father, we pray we'll come alongside those families and help uh, support them and uh, just uh, show them the directions that you would want them to go. Father, we pray as we leave here today, God, that we will just love people, love our community uh, for your glory and for the good of man. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.